Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After falling flat against Green Bay coming out of the bye, the Bears have to shake it off. If they hope to bounce back as they play host to the Lions and look to get their first NFC North win of 2017. Can the Bears salvage their season, or will the Lions finish where Green Bay started? Pride of Detroit's Jeremy Reisman joins us on the Week 11 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. So here we are back at it again, previewing another Bears-Lions game and uh, just a few days removed from uh, a now infamous uh, <laughs> a now infamous uh, tirade that a lot of you seem to be in a, be big fans of. A lot of uh, feedback and uh, lots of support, which I appreciate um, for my, um, yeah, my not safe for work uh 43 minute profanity lace tirade that I had the other day. Um, you know, I, um, it was, uh, it felt good to get that off my chest. I've got, you know, as you guys have been listening to the show, uh, all season, you know, frustrating being a word that I've used, uh, almost as much as I've been breathing, uh, this season. And, uh, that was just the cup runneth over is all that was, you know, just, that was, uh, you know, frustration times a thousand after watching, that game and it's it's only gotten worse to be honest with you um because uh, the bears had a bunch of had press conferences with all the coordinators and and um john fox uh, yesterday and the most disturbing um quotes that came out of that press conference came from fox and and, and loggins um as we just dive right in things here um first of all jeremy reisman gonna be uh Joining us here in a few minutes, uh, talked to Jeremy last night, uh, had a nice conversation talking about the Bears and the Lions and how they kind of mirror each other at the moment as far as not really knowing what to expect from each team and uh, the defense performs this way one week, then it performs another the next week and the offense still has, you know, still has Matt Stafford and they're dynamic in the passing game, but their running game is a nightmare for the Bears, it's just the opposite. Our running game is, uh, you know, one of the best in football, but the passing game is where the problems come in. And sometimes uh, for both teams, the offensive line can be the uh, the reason uh, that you win or the reason that you lose uh, kind of thing. So that's uh, what's the what's there. And uh, as I always say, what's going on, everybody? Larry D. Back, the Week 11 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And um, those press conferences yesterday, you know, I, I just get the, the bullet points because they're on during the day while I'm at work, so I don't have an opportunity to watch them live. But, um, you know, Loggins and, and Fox both said, and, and it was in reaction to somebody asking why we haven't seen Tariq Cohen on the field uh, for significant snaps 
like we did in the first few weeks. Now, one of the answers was to be expected. He's not a secret anymore. So teams are preparing uh, for him. They have special packages for him and so on and so forth, which is not surprising considering the way he carved up the the Falcons and especially the Steelers uh, in, in week three. But the next comment that came from both guys, and they weren't up there together. They were up there separately. They both said that the defense dictates who's out there. What? What are you talking about? There's like, we're call me crazy. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not a coach. Um, I've, I've, I, I fancy myself to have a pretty decent head for the game, but in, in, in my recollection of my playing days and my recollection of, uh, just how the game is played in general, you know, just watch the game between snaps and you'll see that the defense will send people out there based on who the offense has out there, not the other way around. You know, the offense, see, the defense sees, you know, three wide receivers and one tight end coming out there. So they're going to send some more uh, defensive backs out there to, to defend all those pass catchers. You know, they see the Bears throw three tight ends and a fullback out there. Yeah, they're probably going to mix in maybe an extra linebacker or something like that to to handle, uh, you know, the extra you know, weight of those blockers and, and things like that. It's the offense who dictates how the defense throws their personnel out there and the bears are playing reactionary to where the defense goes. That's that just, I just don't understand that at all. I mean, especially since we haven't really handed the keys to the offense to Trubisky yet. So it's not like he's going out there and seeing what the defense is doing and then calling plays at the line of scrimmage. He's not doing that at least not yet. Uh, anyway. So the reason that Tariq Cohen isn't out there is because of, the defensive personnel they have on the field? No. No, it's because you're a lousy coach and you can't figure out how to use them properly. Okay? You 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 took advantage of the time at the beginning of the season when nobody had any tape on them, you know, or or uh, you know, any useful tape or anything like that. And he goes out there and torches the uh, torches the Falcons, does what he can against Tampa Bay because nobody had a good day that day. And then against the Steelers, damn near single-handedly wins the game for us uh, in overtime, not to mention several plays he made uh, in regulation. So after that, it's like the secret is out and everybody's playing or keying up for, for Cohen. But he still managed to make some plays when he was out there. The biggest play of the game for the Bears on offense against Carolina was a 70-yard pass to Cohen, you know, a deep ball. Like, he was lined up as a slot receiver on that play, managed to get himself open, catch the football, and damn near scored a touchdown. So you can't tell me that it's because of matchups or any of that garbage. It's because of you and your lousy coach. And the other troubling thing was that Fox said the exact same thing that the defense will tell us who gets to be out there. No, no, man, no. Okay, I am not an NFL coach. Hell, I've never I've never coached at any level, but I know, okay? You watch any football game. Watch the Thursday night game tonight, and you'll see when the offensive personnel comes out, then the defensive personnel comes out. You watch it. It happens every play, okay? They'll, they'll you know send the three wide receivers out hey an extra db's come in and the linebackers going out they're going into nickel you know that kind of thing that's what you'll see you'll see the defense reacting to what the offense is putting out on the field not the other way around okay that is absolutely ridiculous to hear nfl level coaches say something so stupid 
you know, and it and it keys in number one that lo- that Loggins and Fox are walking in lockstep uh, with the offense, and that number two, both of these idiots have to go because that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard come out of an NFL level coach's mouth before. The defense dictates who the offense has on the field. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's just that's a fireable offense right that right there. Just saying something so damn stupid. I mean, I could not believe what I was reading. You know, I, it's, and it, it just it just made no sense to me. And then I hiring with Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Saw a tweet from uh, from Olin Krutz, you know, our old center, one of our former, you know, all pro, you know, semi time Pro Bowl uh, playing guys uh, and a former locker room leader. I mean, that guy was uh, might as well have been a dictator with uh, how he ran things uh, when he was in charge uh, back in the day is, um, you know, the quote was some somewhere in the lines of, you know, I don't like this answer. The defense never dictates what the offense does. It's always the other way around. And that, that's me just throwing that little bit on, on the end. It's always the other way around. The defense is read and react. They're reacting to what the offense is doing. You know, They have an idea of what they want to do as far as blitz packages and coverages and things like that. But they can only do their job in reaction to what the offense is doing. It's not the other way around. It is not the other way around. Okay, And to hear them say that. To hear Loggins, I don't know who was up first, actually, but um, to hear Loggins say it and then to read that Fox said the same thing, is it's extremely troubling. And, that, and it speaks to why we're having so many difficulties um, on offense. You know, It's like we're, we're basically looking at who's on the field, sending our guys out there, and then you know, the defense then probably changes what, the, what they send out you know, because the defense is reacting to us. And uh, it's just, uh, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. Um, when I saw that, I, I thought my head was going to explode um, when I read that. I just cannot believe that, um, you know, these people in, in the highest level of, of football are, uh, are are a completely ass-backwards way of, of how you're supposed to approach offensive football. And, um, you know, we dictate to them. You know, when it's rainy outside like it was on Sunday, the, the onus or the, the advantage is with the offense. Why? Because we know the snap count. We know when the ball is going to get snapped. So the offensive line has an inherent advantage over the defensive line because we know when the ball is going to be snapped. 
we know if it's going to be on two or the first sound or if it's going to be silent or whatever the case may be we know the defense has to react to what the offensive offensive line does they can't move until the ball is snapped so we have that split second advantage over them because we know when the ball is going to be snapped and you know that's the offense across the board we know what we're going to do they have to react to us doing it not the other way around and it's just you know it's uh, it it's uh it was so angering to sit there and and have to read that uh you know it, it just uh it makes no sense and like i said it's it's uh speaks volumes as to why we're having the issues that we are on the offensive side uh of the field so take that for what you will but it made me nuts uh to read that uh yesterday and um uh going over the offense really quick or excuse me the injury report real quick before we get to or talk with uh jeremy and um can somebody tell me when danny trevathan hurt his calf because i don't remember any reports whatsoever of danny trevathan uh straining the calf or pulling the calf muscle or whatever in the new orleans game okay i don't remember hearing anything about an injury was this something that happened in practice or something because that would make more sense to me because i mean i know that all the headlines after the new orleans game were about zach miller and us getting boned on that touchdown but you know was there any report that i missed about trevathan getting hurt i know bryce callahan left the game with a knee injury so seeing his name on the injury report not that surprising um you know, Sherrick McManus, he left the game with like a hamstring injury or something. Not surprising to see his name still on the list and so on and so forth. Um, but seeing Danny Trevathan, that was the biggest shock of that first injury report coming back last year or last year, last week uh, after the bye because no one heard, I never heard anything about any kind of injury for Trevathan. And as I'm looking at the injury report, now that Wednesday and Thursday's practices are in the books, Trevathan still hasn't practiced yet with the calf injury so i mean how severe number one is this calf injury and number two when the hell did it happen because this because seeing him on the injury report last week was a huge shock and uh you know the um injury reports get putting him down as limited 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 or whatever i guess to kind of sell green bay on the idea that they need to prepare for danny trevathan then he was inactive and didn't play and now here we are a full week later now he's not practicing at all if he practiced last week that is now he hasn't practiced at all and he's uh you know still looking at not probably not playing again this week if he hasn't practiced wednesday or thursday friday's like a walkthrough or whatever and then they they announce who's playing who isn't what their statuses are and uh so on the other troubling is Dion sims is still listed as not practicing with an illness and i just just read a tweet before we got started here from jeff dickerson friend of the show saying that um John Fox is listed, uh, has cited legal reasons for why they won't disclose what illness it is that Deion Sims has. Like, seriously? You can't tell us if he has the flu or whatever the case may be? You, you can't tell us that? There, there's legal reasons for you not to tell us that he's got a bad flu or a bad case of bronchitis or something like that. Tis the season, you know? So it wouldn't be all that crazy to hear that, that uh, you know, he's got a, a bug that's just kicking his ass. He's having a hard time getting rid of it. I mean, some people, when they get sick, it hits them like a ton of bricks. Like myself, personally, I um, consider myself very lucky. I've, I've, I don't really have any allergies. 
Uh, so the, you know, the changing of the seasons doesn't ravage me the way it does my poor mother um, or anything like that. And I don't I don't get sick. Um, you know, some people, they, they go through the entire winter season. They're sick here. They're sick there. They they constantly have a sniffle or a cough or whatever like that. For me, it comes in like one big burst. I get sick. I got a cough for a few days. My nose is, you know, I'm, I'm basically I'm miserable for about five days and then boom, I'm good. Maybe it happens one more time in the winter season, but for the most part, I'm healthy as a horse during the, during the, the coldest days uh, of the year. So, I mean, I've always considered myself very lucky in that regard as, you know, being blessed with no allergies and, and having, I guess, a pretty strong immune system, I guess, because I can make it through the, the winter season without having to deal with, uh, with a lot of stuff that some people deal with. Like people will spend a paycheck buying all the antihistamines and cough drops and, and, and cough syrup and uh, Xanax, not Xanax, uh, Mucinex and, and all that garbage and, and, and whatnot. I've been one of the, the lucky to avoid that uh, kind of thing. But, um, you know, Deion Sims has been out with an illness for the last two weeks and the bears won't tell us what it is what kind of advantage would that hold over us if the lions knew that Dion sims had the flu or whatever the case is uh with him i just i just don't understand that uh at all this is just that was just weird um but going from top to bottom here sam acho has been limited with a shoulder injury that must have happened uh during the green bay game bryce callahan still hasn't practiced yet with the knee injury uh, limited both days, uh, Tom Compton with an ankle injury. Kyle Long was limited yesterday, was full participation today. So hopefully that means we'll see him on the field on Sunday. Uh, same thing for Sheriff McManus with the hamstring, limited yesterday, full go today. And Roy Roberts and Harris, that'll be helpful to uh, hopefully add to the rotation in the defensive line. Limited yesterday, full participation today on Thursday. And then, like I said, Deion Sims, Danny Trevathan, with the illness and the calf injury, respectively, neither has practiced yet uh, this week. So not looking good for Trevathan to play this Sunday. And um, if anything was evident last week against the Packers, we really could have used him and his tackling ability uh, against Green Bay. So hopefully we won't have the same issues uh, another week for Kwiatkowski uh, to, to play. And uh, Christian Jones are, will be our inside uh linebackers uh, on Sunday against the Lions and uh, hopefully we'll remember to have tackled or how to tackle and that maybe we've been working on the fundamentals of tackling this week so we don't look like idiots uh, against the Lions on Sunday so anyway that is the injury report and um, my two cents on the uh, on the baffling strategy that our offensive minds have put together uh, this this season with the whole reacting the defense dictates who's on the field I just I still I don't understand that at all I mean, they, they, that's like speaking Russian uh, to me for all the good it does you know I just don't understand that uh, at all the defense decides who's out there no they don't we decide who the defense puts out there plain and simple you know you you see the offense go out there you see the receivers run onto the field this this guy comes off this db comes in or you know uh depending on what receivers are out there maybe i want some of my well maybe i want this guy out there because he's better with man coverage or actually we want this guy out there he's better with the zone and so on and so forth i mean that's the chess game that's being played between plays every single down of every football game just watch the thursday night game tonight you'll see it you will see it you know you'll see somebody come out there for for the titans or the or you know demarco murray is going out there and instead of uh 
you know, Travis Henry and okay, well maybe we want our, uh, we want to, you know, throw out an extra defensive tackle or we want this guy because he's better against the run as opposed to this guy because Travis Henry is in there usually when they're passing the ball and so on and so forth. They react to the offense, not the other way around. It's, it's just a fundamentally ridiculous thing to hear a football coach to say. No, not that crazy to hear Fox saying it because he's the, He's a defensive-minded, old-school kind of head, you know, head coach. But here, the Loggins, an offensive coordinator, say the same thing. That's what was the most staggering part is that he was actually just, uh, you know, parroting what what Fox said. And like I said, I don't know what the order was. If uh, Logan's if Logan spoke first and then Fox basically went out there and backed him up. If that was the case, that's even scarier. So, you know, if if Fox came out there and Loggins was just repeating what Fox said. Eh, but that also speaks to the whole, you know, Fox is the one pulling the strings uh, as far as what Loggins is doing on offense. Either one, either way is troubling. It, it definitely is. So anyway, before I waste any more time, I'm going to go ahead and shut this down. We're going to bring in our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit on SB Nation to help us preview week 11 between the Bears and the Lions. Week 11 of the 2017 NFL schedule for our beloved Chicago Bears brings along our very first visit for the Detroit Lions. Uh, and, and joining me uh, to, to help me uh, try to figure out what the hell's going to happen uh, on Sunday. I kind of know what to expect from the Lions, uh, but no idea what to expect from our beloved Chicago Bears. Um, you know, it's the, the man himself from Pride of Detroit and everyone's favorite spaghetti burrito connoisseur, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Reisman. Jeremy, how's it going, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good. And, and just so you know, I'm just as confused about the Lions. Maybe not maybe not as much confused, but close to confused about the Lions as I think you are the Bears right now. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs here on the, you know, in 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 Chicago where uh you know, we, we entered bizarro world uh last week where our defense couldn't stop the run, could only sack the quarterback when we blitzed and sent extra guys. Uh, we did not run the football, and Mitchell Trubisky set records for passing attempts and passing yards uh, on Sunday. So everything was upside down, and then the cherry on top is that Connor Barth, who has been one of the most inconsistent kickers in football since joining the Bears, was perfect on Sunday. <laughs> Three 40-plus-yard field goals and a super long extra point thanks to a delay of game on the extra point after a touchdown. So... Uh, no idea to, what to tell you to expect from us uh, on Sunday. So we'll devote most of our conversation to the Lions. And, um, you know, are, you guys are coming off the bye, right? No. Well, no. Unless, you ca- unless you count the Browns as the bye. That's week. right. Uh, <laughs> you played the Browns. That's what it was. I was like, who did they play? Did they play? He's like, no, they didn't play. Well, they played the Browns. And it was interesting for a while, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the Lions have acted like they were on a bye week for the first three quarters of that game. <laughs> uh, they almost they were trailing late into the the third quarter there. I think it was twenty four to seventeen Browns. They gave up over four hundred yards to that Browns offense, which has just been god awful. I mean, I know you're very familiar with bad offenses this year. The Browns have been worse than the Bears, and and yeah. they just ran all over that Lions defense, and it was a shock. I mean, this defense 
had made a huge turnaround this year after being pretty bad in 2016. And it just seems like it, it changes every week. Sometimes, you know, they held a team like the Vikings, an offense that's definitely on the rise to, to seven points and mm-hmm. under 300 yards. And at home, the too. Brown. You yeah, beat, beat in, them Minnesota. in Minnesota. You guys are perfect in the new dome. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And I was actually there at that game. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with this defense because it is just—it's very much Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, or Miss Hyde, and and I—I I don't know. Like I don't know what to expect this week because Chicago's offense can be the same. You know, like you—you you were mentioned off the air. Sometimes they're just pounding the rock and 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 beating their the opposing defense into submission. Other times, Mitch Trubisky is is throwing for 40% completion rate. I, I, I don't know what to expect from this game at all from either team right now. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked several times in the, in the last few years that you've been uh, coming on to the show was that, you know, Green Bay might be our number one rival but you know there's just something about when the bears and the lions get together for one reason or another it's always a lot more heated than green bay like there's there's always some kind of animosity between these two teams and it was it was heightened when when schwartz was the head coach just because that guy was a douchebag and it carried down to the rest of the team Uh you know it just seemed like they came in with this chip on their shoulder and the bears wanted nothing more than to knock it off and um you know coming in this week you, you it, it, well, I just looking at the schedule, you know, you guys get that three and one start. Um, you know, the wins uh, over Arizona, then the the giant win looks less and less impressive as the season goes on, just <laughs> yep. because the Giants are god awful this year. Uh, you lose a close one at home against Atlanta. That was that weird non touchdown thing at the end of the game, wasn't it? It was. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Then you know you, you you then the Minnesota game that you were talking about fourteen to seven, which was remarkable. I was like, dude, the the, the Lions are playing some ball, man. They just only giving up one touchdown on the road at Minnesota. I was like, that's uh, fantastic. Then three straight losses, home home loss to Carolina. It was a close game, 27-24. Then the New Orleans game that was just a disaster. I mean, mm-hmm. offensive and defensive touchdowns given up on that one, and then. Yeah, Clown show in that game. Yeah, then national TV against the the Steelers after your bye, and then to like then last week, you did what what people expected as far as you know what happens to Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers isn't there. They don't like this like they can't figure out what to do with themselves. You guys go on the road at Lambeau. It was thirty to seventeen, but the game was never that close. And, you know, it's like that's why I was super excited about kicking off the second half of the year against Green Bay. You know, they're coming in. They've just been manhandled at home on national TV, you know, and and then going into that game, I could not have been more excited to to get underway. And, you know, what happened happened, and a 43-minute profanity-laced tirade was the result of (laughs) what happened there uh, on Sunday. And then last week you guys take on the – Browns and give up 24 points to one of the worst offenses in football. So again, no idea what to expect, uh, what's going to happen on Sunday. I mean, which defense is going to show up? The one that completely shut down Green Bay and then, if, you know, several weeks ago removed, though, only gave up seven points to an offense that's been on the rise all season long or the one that gave hope to the Browns last Sunday. Yeah, and I don't know. I 
the Lions have had a couple key injuries on defense, but I don't really want to, you know, stick it on losing Haloti Nada against the Saints back in week six. Um, they were with Ansa last week against the Browns. But to be honest, both those guys have not been playing, you know, up to their name. Haloti Nada is nowhere near where he was when he was a Pro Bowl guy. And, and Ansa has been, looked awful in the past year and a half. Mm. Um, basically, you know, disappeared. I don't know if it's because of injuries. He, he was listed on the injury report every week this week, this year so far. Um, he was dealing with a high ankle sprain last year. So there are some injuries happening on that side of the ball for the Lions, but it's also just kind of wild inconsistency. You know, they have rookie Jared Davis in the middle of that defense basically calling the shots, and maybe that's why they're being so inconsistent because, you know, you have a rookie essentially quarterbacking your defense, mm. and he's going to make a lot of mistakes. He, he hasn't really been great this year. He's made a lot of rookie mistakes. Um, but at, at times, this defense also just looks swarming. They've got an extremely good secondary. The problem is that the front seven is just on and off. Um, not not You'll never find a, a consistent pass rush with this team right now. And the linebackers have been hit or miss. Sometimes they're, they're knifing into the backfield, meeting running backs back there. Other times they're butting on play action and leaving a tight end wide open over the middle field. It's just, it's just been hot and cold every single week. And it's, it's disappointing because they came out firing at the beginning of the year. They forced 11 turnovers in the first four games. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of died down at least a little bit, but the secondary is, is kind of the beacon of hope for this defense because they are ball hawkers. Glover Quinn is somehow still playing the best football in his career, and he's 31. Darius Slay is a legitimate lockdown corner in this league, and they got a couple really good run defenders too, and Tavon Wilson and Miles Killebrew. So they have the talent on the back end; they just need more consistency on that front seven. Well, if the Lions and the Bears got their two defenses together, that'd be one hell of a unit. Yes. You know, you put off yes, front seven with your back four in there, you got yourself a football team uh, right yes. there. You know, it's. I, uh, pretty... I think in the off season we talked about you know combining forces to take down the Packers. Maybe maybe we should just do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Why not? You know, uh, who would we get to coach that team though? Oh, that's a you know because we sure as hell don't want Fox to do it and. <laughs> I don't know how Bear fans would adjust to having Jim Caldwell, you know, uh, take the, you know, the Lovey Smith light. I mean, Lovey was boring enough on his own. We're going to bring in Jim Caldwell. Like, I don't know. Might have to look from the outside to find out who's going to, who's going to lead that one uh, on the ship. So, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I was very impressed. I did watch a good portion of week two, the game against the giants and they were just all over. I mean, this was before we knew the giants were falling apart at the seams Right. Um, but I mean, that was a very impressive win coming off of a, an actually an equally impressive win over um, the Cardinals. Now, if it was 2015, that's a hell of a two game start, you know, to your schedule. But the Cardinals aren't playing like they have been, and the Giants are, you know, they just lost to the 49ers uh, on Sunday. So, right. you know, it's um, and then you know you had the win against uh, Minnesota. Before. I mean, it was a for the first four games of the season to be three and one and do it in the fashion that the lions did was like, man, the lions might be onto something this year. And then Rogers goes down and is like, Oh man, the lions might be in a position to take the division. Um, finally. And then they lost three games in a row before finally, uh, you know, bouncing back these, these last two weeks. So what has that roller coaster been like for you as a lions fan? It's been unbelievable. I mean, after that Vikings win, 
I've I've never seen expectations higher for this team. Right. They were they were up to number two in I think two or three power rankings that week, and I, as a Lions fans, I don't know how to process that. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it's like to have a team that has expectations that high, and my my general first reaction is to is to reject it. <laughs> it's not true. It can't be true. Right. And of course, you know the other shoe drops immediately and. It's interesting because in those Panthers and Saints games, even the Falcons game where the Lions were inches away from winning, they looked awful in the first half of those games. They were getting blown out by the Falcons and Panthers and Saints in that first half, and they've managed to do what they've done in the past two or three years, and that's just have some sort of miracle comeback um, in the fourth quarter and and draw close. In that Saints game, they were down five touchdowns. Yeah. I remember they, just watching the scoreboard grow. It's like, Jesus, the Saints are killing Detroit. What is going on down there? And then you started to see the deficit get smaller and smaller and smaller. It ended up being a 14-point game. Yeah, they they were down 45-10 to 10 in that game. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, they were down 45-38 to 38 with the ball. <laughs> but, but then immediately threw a pick six. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But that was a crazy game, you know. It's like yeah. they, the Saints' offensive and defensive touchdowns, and then you guys had a defensive touchdown uh, mm-hmm. of your own. It was like the Wild West down there after a while. It was just getting slung all over the place, and, and points were racking up. It's like watching the game of Madden happen in front of you. It was crazy. The Lions scored on all three faces. They had a punt return touchdown in that game, too. It was it was bonkers. I think Matthew Stafford also had something like nine passes tipped at the at the line of scrimmage. Wow. Two of which I think were pick sixes. It was, <laughs> it was the most insane game I've I've ever seen, and I've I've never fallen into such a like madness. Like I I had gone crazy. I was la- laughing maniacally. I I, I, was, I was unfortunately in a public place too, so I was afraid that someone would 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 have you would committed? essentially have me committed. Yeah, yeah, essentially, it was it was something. And I'm I'm glad it's over though. I'm glad I'm glad there was a bye week right after that because I needed to to recuperate and I think the whole team did too after that one. Yeah, everybody needs a mental health break after after a game like that. Unfortunately, we had our break before we had our breakdown uh, against the um, Packers uh, on Sunday, mm-hmm. and it, it that's what's been so maddening about this team. You know, you come out week one. And we we exceed all expectations by damn near taking the NFC champs, to, you know, down week one. Right. You know, literally with with a chance to win the game on the final play of the game, and we come up short. Then week two, we're, we're playing this team that hasn't played any really kind of basically any football at all because they kind of protected everyone through. I'm talking about the Buccaneers, protected everyone through the preseason. Nobody's played any significant time since like the week two. Uh, preseason game then then uh was it irma irma was it irma that went through florida i think so yeah so irma ravages florida they don't play week one so they're coming into week two it's their season opener they haven't played in a month and we basically hand them that football game uh mike lennon throws a pick six like you know like only mike lennon could do and (laughs) um you know we're just we're killing ourselves with penalties and turnovers and then flip that around a week later and force three turnovers, all kinds of, you know, sacks and block a field goal for a touchdown. Well, it wasn't a touchdown in Marcus Cooper. 
Um, <laughs> did you see that play, by the way? Oh, oh, absolutely. I I reveled in it. <laughs> I couldn't. I was watching that. I watched that live, as I'm sure you know, you know as you would, would one would assume. But um, you know, with me doing the Bears show, you figure I watch a Bears game. But uh, <laughs> I could not believe my eyes when that happened. It was like that. I just. I, he's slowing down. Why is he slowing down? Is he stopped? Why did he stop? And now he's, now he's been crushed by the guy coming up behind him, and he got hit hard enough to lose the football. And there we go. So, but we won that game. Then we four days later we're on the road at at Green Bay, and it's the Tampa Bay game all over again. We're throwing the football, or we're, we're you know interceptions. We're turning the football over, promising drives, ending with turnovers, or you know we're getting in field goal position and. Three penalties later, we're back on the other side of the 50-yard line, and we're not going to have Counter Barth kick a 68-yard field goal. So, uh, I mean, that's what the first four games were like. It was up, down, way up, and then way back down again. So we finally ditched Mike Glennon, who signed for $45 million to play four games <laughs> before we throw Trubisky in there, who was supposed to be on the bench for all of 2017 watching. And now he's learning on the job, which... By the time that happened, by the time the Green Bay game rolled around, I was on the Trubisky train. Um, I was one of those people that was severely against him playing at all this year with the supporting cast that we had. We basically had no one for him to throw the football to. The offensive line is inconsistent at best. All we have is Jordan Howard. And if you shut down Jordan Howard, that's going to put it all on the rookie, and I don't want that. You know. And um, But watching Mike Lennon go out there for four weeks, it was like, screw it, put the rookie in there. It's, you know, it can't get any worse than this. Let's just let the rookie learn on, on the job. Uh, and, you know, we went two and two after that. And uh, it's been an, an, an adventure and one that I don't want to relive anytime soon. And, uh, yeah, I, I I can see it from my end. And it's it's kind of fun to see from an outsider's perspective. Oh, I'm sure it one is. That, that doesn't like Chicago all that much. But at the same time, I'm I'm kind of excited to have, you know, an upheaval of the NFC North, and I think it's coming. I really do. I really think the Bears are, are on their way up. I think the Lions are at, at, at the very least plateaued at like a second place, occasionally can att- or attacking for for first place, and then who knows what the Vikings, since their defense is really good, but they still haven't decided who their quarterback of the future is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just ready for the Packers to go away, and I think. I think eventually we'll get there, but uh... because they they can't do it three times in a row, can they? They they can't find the NFL's best quarterback three straight times, you know, to where they're going to transition from Rodgers into the next Captain America that's going to lead Green Bay to glory for the next twenty years. I mean, that can't happen a third time. There's there's got to be a lull in there somewhere, at least a drop off from what they've had to what they will have. Yeah. And I just hope it comes sooner than later because I'm a little bit afraid that Aaron Rodgers is the Terminator because there's already reports (laughs) that he's going to be ready week 15. And of course, the Lions are the lucky ones that have the Packers week 17. And so if there's a chance of Brett Favre or Brett Favre, I called him Brett Favre, uh, (laughs) a chance that Aaron Rodgers plays, he's probably going to play against the Lions, and it's probably going to be for a wild card spot, and the Lions are probably going to lose that game. Yeah, because what the Bears did on Sunday was give Green Bay hope that they'll have a chance to be in that spot. Right. You know, that they can win football games with Brett Hundley. They just, that was probably the worst thing that happened for everybody on Sunday, was that the Bears gave Green Bay hope 
you know, they're they're back to their winning ways. They're five and four now. They're still in the wild card hunt uh, and everything else. And, and, you know, just gave them hope. And, you know, that that can be dangerous for certain football teams. If if that week 17 game matters for the Packers against the Lions, can I come back on here and just rail against the Bears for losing that game? I would be happy to let you do that. I really <laughs> okay. would. Uh, just because that would be the seed that 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 all of that was planted, you know, it's like because that's when I when I talked to Evan Western last week, it's like, dude, you guys are in shambles right now. And, um, you know, do you think it's because there's, you know, a lot of talk about Aaron not coming back this year It's like, but it's like, you know, why would you bring Aaron back even if he was considering the way the team is playing? right now you just be throwing them like lambs to the slaughter and everything but now the Packers have won a game they've gotten some and they did it against the team they on let's be honest they were not supposed to win that game on right. Sunday the Bears were freaking favored to win uh on Sunday and it was embarrassing the way the Green Bay basically dominated uh the game and giving themselves and you know proving themselves they can do it and sometimes it's all you need I mean you're a Lions fan I don't know how old you you are, if you remember the 91 season when, when Mike Utley got hurt, but the Lions went on a playoff run with the whole thumbs up thing, you know, mm-hmm. doing it for Mike thing that, you know, it became their, their credo that, you know, what, what propelled them forward. They went 12 and four, went all the way to the NFC title game on that, mm-hmm. that year. So when a team can get behind something like that, the next thing you know, they're as dangerous as any team in the league. And I'm afraid that's what the Bears did on Sunday by blowing that game against Green Bay. Well, I'm certainly going to 100% blame you if, if that becomes the case. <laughs> and not I will not take any responsibility for the Lions blowing it down the stretch. I will 100% put the blame on the Bears. Yeah, so, I mean, and as I would expect you to, uh, <laughs> you know, as a Bear-hating Lions fan, just put it all on, on, put it all on us because, uh, you know, it was – we deserve it. If that's what happens, it, it definitely is. Uh, our fault, especially if they go on a run for the next few weeks. But they got the Ravens this week, so we'll see how it how it goes for them. So, um, here's a question: I've been, what's the offensive line been like for you guys? I know that you've been out without Taylor Decker. Did he play on Sunday against the Browns? He did. They they did something interesting with him. They they actually rotated every single drive between him and Brian Mahalik, who is playing left tackle for the first time in the NFL in his career. He was actually uh, on the defensive side of the ball in college, but huh. he, uh, he shifted to offensive line and he, he hadn't started a game until this year. Um, but, but I think by the fourth quarter, it was just Taylor Decker and he looked okay. He definitely looked like someone who hadn't played since essentially before training camp, mm-hmm. um, got injured during a, uh, you know, off-season workouts, so he didn't even get training camp, he didn't get preseason, he didn't get any of the first nine weeks of the season. Uh, so he's still got some rust on him, but the good news for Detroit is this is going to be the first week where they have their entire starting offensive line intact for the first time. So mm-hmm. when Taylor Decker made his return last week, TJ Lang was out with a concussion. Um, today, Wednesday, TJ Lang returned to practice with no limitation, so it's pretty clear that he's going to clear concussion protocol. Lines are going to have all five starters, um, but it, they, it, they've been very hit or miss. Um, during the middle of the season there, there was, I think, a three or four game stretch where St- Stafford was getting sacked five times a game. And part of that was was due to injuries. TJ Lang missed an additional game somewhere in the middle there. Um, Greg Robinson was this team's left tackle for the first six games, and it was 
nothing short of a disaster. Yeah. The Lions were just desperate to fill that Taylor Decker hole, and they traded for Greg Robinson, who everyone in Los Angeles hated and was thrilled to get a six-round pick for him. And people thought that maybe in a, in a simpler scheme in Detroit, he could turn it around. Didn't work out that way. He's he's on IR now. They essentially waived him, but um, you know, kind of got away with a, a sneaky injury designation there. So I, I guess I don't know really what to expect from the offensive line this week. Um, the right side has been good. Um, the left side has been you know inconsistent. But with Taylor Decker back this week, there, there's definitely a lot of hope that it's it's going to be better. Um, and and when Stafford has had the time this year, you know he had a lot of time against that steel against the Steelers threw for almost 400 yards, um, had a lot of time against the Packers and basically tore apart that week secondary. Um, and I, I, against the Browns, it was kind of okay, but Stafford has kind of been on a roll out of the, the bye week, and I think the offensive line kind of starting to settle down has really helped that. I mean, because the, the, the portion of the um, Monday night game against Green Bay um, mm-hmm. that I watched. It, it, it reminded me very much of that 2011 team where the running game uh, did not exist at all. I mean, but mm-hmm. you still had one of the best offenses in football that year because no one had an answer for Stafford and Calvin Johnson and and, uh, and company. And, uh, you know, Golden Tate was all over the place and, uh, you know, everybody was getting involved in, in the passing game. But um, the running game wasn't doing all that much. And you somehow still – I mean, to me that was kind of like just how low have the Packers gotten – they gave up a rushing touchdown to the Lions on Monday Night Football. And, <laughs> you know, it was like the Lions, you know, the Lions don't run the football and you gave up a rushing touchdown uh, to the Lions. I mean, you know, that's one the one main component has been missing from the offense. How is the progress, if any, coming along with the running game? It's, it's definitely really bad right now. You okay. know, they're only averaging three, four a carry. Um, the I guess the positive spin on that is Amir Abdullah has scored a touchdown, a rushing touchdown in two consecutive games. Um, against the Browns, they were okay. They still had a lot of negative plays, but they had, I think it was five rushes of, of 10 or more yards, including, I think, three of 20-plus yards. But they still only finished with 104 rushing yards, which is mm. a pretty good performance against a, a decent Browns defense, especially against the run. Yeah. So there's a little bit of hope there. Um, that game, they were also without TJ Lang, so there's some hope maybe they, there's improvement there. Um, but don't expect a consistent running game on Sunday where the Lions are knocking out five yards to run six, you know, runs of five, six, seven, 10, 15. It's, it's more like zero, one, negative two, 20, <laughs> four, one, two, zero, 30. You know, if, okay. if the Lions are going to get to a hundred rushing yards, it's going to be based on three or four plays, not 15. Right. Um, this, it shocks me how many negative plays this offense came can you know give up but then also recover from and and the thing that they really absolutely struggle with is short yardage situations against the the Steelers they were in the red zone five times did not come away with one touchdown and Mm -hmm. that's how they lost that game um I saw stat today that the Lions are like the fifth or sixth best team at converting third and ten pluses and the 30th ranked team at converting third and ones wow yeah. So, yeah, they, they just have no short yardage running game, and, and a lot of that has been the offensive line. A lot is they don't really have that power running back. Amir Abdullah's not that guy. Although, you know, they, they've been giving Amir Abdullah a lot more red zone carries as of late, and he's, he's responded, like I said, with those two touchdowns. Um, 
but it's still not a consistent thing for this Detroit offense, and it's something that's really held them back in the first half of the season. You think that uh, you know that something might happen? I mean, just to kind of put an idea in your head about you know somebody maybe you know like maybe making a trade or trying to move up in the draft to get your hands on a, like a Saquon Barkley or something like that to you to finally give yourselves an elite running back that you haven't had since Sanders retired. It's it's definitely been the talk of a lot of people. Has uh, it really? Okay. For for fans, yeah, they they a lot of people are fed up with you know just nothing happening in that running game and personally I really like Amir Abdul a lot he's he's easily the best back they have on this team right now he's incredibly shifty at some at one point I think he was making defenders miss at a rate in the top five amongst all running backs the problem is that he was facing defenders two yards into the backfield so you know he'd be he'd be averaging I think the most carries after first contact and he was still averaging three yards a carry (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? That sounds a lot like what Jordan Howard's had to go through uh, Mm -hmm. this year because the defenses that we face, you know, know that we've only got that one bullet in the chamber and that's our running game because passing is not going to be uh, dynamic or, um, you know, existent, you know, for that matter. I mean, even when, when Glennon was out there, we were throwing, you know, dump passes, everything was coming out of the backfield or being thrown into the flat or, you know, the the tight end coming across on a three-yard route and stuff like that. We're basically running the ball through the pass uh, kind of right. thing. It was very 80s West Coast 49ers and, you know, with none of the success, by the way. And it's just like, you know, Jordan Howard was running into a brick wall of eight, nine guys every single time he ran the football. So when you were talking about, you know, one, negative one, zero, 15, uh, three, ne- you know, zero, one, 25, that's what Jordan Howard's running stats have been like this year. I mean, he's been like a running back, you know, that we we run. It's He's a running back of averages. Like, eventually, it's going to work out. It's one of those things where somebody's going to shoot the gap and miss or somebody's going to shoot the wrong gap and Jordan Howard's going to run right through for 10 yards and get, you know, 15 on, on third and six or, you know, something uh, to that effect. But it's like our offense this year um, – it's been maddening watching it because, you know, you guys have had your issues with short yardage. Well, we've had our issues on first down because we don't do anything but run the ball on first down. <laughs> so every time you look, there is a, you know, there is a gigantic border wall right there in front of us uh, on first down and nobody's calling an audible to maybe switch to something else or shifting around personnel just to find out what the defense is doing. Uh, kind of thing it's like we just line them up and we run it and sit there scratching our heads as to why it didn't work when we ran straight ahead into a brick wall of humanity so um you know that's what it's been like trying to watch the bears run the ball at times uh this year but that's because the defense knows that we're doing it and it must be different with the lions where you know it's um a lack of a running game that you know they basically haven't developed being able to do that on a consistent basis yeah, but it's interesting, you know, the the first down predictability has actually been a common complaint uh, among Lions fans towards Jim Bob Cooter. Okay. Um, a lot of people think that this running game, part of the problem with the running game is just that it's incredibly predictable. In terms of formations, you'll see the Lions in pistol a lot, and when do they do that, especially when they bring in a tight end closer to the line, it's almost a run 100% of the time. And teams have wised up to that, and, and that's why they're seeing defenders in the backfield all the time. As, as bad as the running game is, Jim Bob Cooter is 100% committed to trying it in every single game. And I don't 
I don't blame him for that. Matthew Stafford is actually one of the best play action quarterbacks over the past three or four weeks. Uh, so if, if there's a chance that they can establish that run, it definitely greatly benefits this offense. The problem is it, it's been predictable. The offensive line has been injured and battered up and just not playing very well. Mm-hmm. Travis Swanson, the center, is, is seemed to regress quite a bit this year. And as a result, the Lions are just they're losing yardage on first down and, and facing a lot of those third and longs. Luckily, they've been one of the better teams on those third and long plays, but... You, you just can't get by in a full season. You can't be a playoff team if you're always finding yourself in third and 13s. No, that's definitely true. I mean, what you're talking about with the predictability via formation, that's Dole Loggins to a T. Um, <laughs> it absolutely is. I mean, and, and it, it has a lot to do not so much with, with formations as it does with personnel. Um, you know, a friend, uh, a good friend of the show, Lauren Cox, he writes for Bears Wire and uh, – um, he was telling me that, you know, he watches a lot of the all 22, uh, mm-hmm. tape, uh, for the bears. And it's like, uh, cause one of the questions I was going to ask him, but he ended up answering it before I could ask was why haven't we seen more of, uh, Adam Shaheen this year, the mm-hmm. second round pick, a tight end, right. you know, the guy was a man amongst boys in division two. So why haven't we seen more of this guy? And he's like, well, Adam Shaheen has played quite a bit. It's just that 85% of the time that he's on the field, the bears run the ball. So maybe that's why we, we can't run the ball as well as we would like to is because we keep sending out the same personnel groupings and then running the football and wondering how it is the defense keeps sniffing it out, you know, right. and um, it, you know, some, it, most of the time it doesn't have to do with formations because the bears are not creative at all with their formation. It's basically, it looks like the same formation just about every single time for the most part. And um, right. you know, but it's like when they send out an extra tight end and a fullback, we're running the ball 100% of the time. And, you know, anytime that, that Michael Burton is out there, anytime that Adam Shaheen uh, is out there, we're running the ball. When Zach Miller is on the field, we're passing it kind of thing. He's our pass-catching tight end, so he's when he comes out, we're not running the ball, we're throwing it uh, kind of thing. So it's like, you know, I don't know how it is that I can see that, but they can't because they just keep doing it over and over again. Right. So that, That's funny you, you brought up Michael Burton. I forgot he was on that team now. Yeah. Yeah. How is he? We we don't have a fullback anymore. How's how's he been doing? Well, he's about as useful as a fullback is in today's NFL. You know. <laughs> okay. You know, he's he carried the ball one time uh for about five or six yards against the Falcons week one. Uh that was the only time I've seen that guy touch the ball. I th- or maybe he caught a pass out of the backfield once. But other yeah. than that, he's a human battering ram on the times that he actually is uh on the field. So I mean it's uh it's a dead art, the the art of the fullback, and uh, the fact that we have one on our roster right now with the offense that we run seems to be uh, pointless uh, at times. So nothing against him at all, just the fact that it's 2017 and fullbacks really don't exist in football uh, anymore. So that's uh, you know, it's uh, as useful as a screen door in a submarine, I guess. So <laughs> uh, you know, but that's just you know how it is. So um, you know, I just. Um, you know, we, we have this game coming up on Sunday, and we've kind of been jokingly saying it, but being serious at the same time, neither one of us really knows what to expect uh, with this game. Because I would love to sit here and tell you that, um, well, you should look for our defense uh, to bounce back um, because they really haven't played two bad games in a row all year. You know, they had even in the game against Tampa Bay, where we got killed, that was more because our offense kept turning over the football 
it wasn't really even so much that anything that Tampa Bay did. I mean, I rem- famously over and over again when I was reviewing that game, it, I said it until my I was blue in the face was that Tampa Bay just took advantage of everything that the Bears gave them, and the Bears gave them a lot uh, in that game: turnovers, field position, the whole nine yards. It really was not that the, the fact that the Buccaneers were were charging the field, you know, eighty, ninety yard drive and putting points on the board or anything like that. It was like, oh, fumble, first down from the Bear 35-yard line and, you know, things like that. Right. So, But our defense played well, only giving up field goals and things like that. And in the games that we've won this year, um, you know, I mean, they've been outstanding. And that game against Carolina, um, that was their that was their masterpiece. You know, they shut down Cam Newton. They, you know, put 14 points on the board with Eddie Jackson's, you know, returns and, you know, held that team that was on the field twice as long as our offense was to a field goal. You know, that that game, that was their that was their masterpiece, Um, you know, and and they 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 didn't play bad against New Orleans. It was more of our offense not being able to keep up with the Saints. And then last week was. Last week was what it was. Um, it was not good. So I would think logically that, you know, that maybe they're not going to dominate and force turnovers and things like that, but I don't think they're going to play like that again uh, against you guys, especially since we know we have to take care of the passing game this week. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what scares me. Coming off a team with such a demoralizing loss like that, mm-hmm. it kind of I, I I imagine in the locker room like everyone just kind of like snaps into focus. Then like, hey, we got to get our act together. We've got to change something on offense. We got to not look like the bizarro version of ourselves, hmm. and and do what we do good. Um, and and I mean this defense has kept them in the game every every week. I mean, like Just you were about, saying, yeah. this this team has only given up more than 24 points twice, and it was that Packers game on Thursday night, which was a disaster, and that yep. Bucks game. Both those games, the offense turned it over four times, so that's not even on the defense. Right, exactly. So, so you know, even, even in the games where we've given up a lot of points, it's like there's only so much you could put on the defense when you keep putting them in the spot where their backs are literally against the wall. Right. Um, you know, and they're they're on short fields every time, and, and they're they're trying to hold Aaron Rodgers out of the end zone when he's only got twenty five yards to get there, uh, and things like that. And um, you know, the the one thing that's been more frustrating in, than everything, just talking about all this stuff that we've talked about, is the Bears have won three games this year, matching last year's win total. Sadly enough, but mm-hmm. in all three victories, there's been a yeah, but connotation to all three. Um, the game where we beat Pittsburgh, we had to go to overtime in a game where it should have never gotten to overtime. Uh, Marcus Cooper's punt blocked field goal return alone would have given us enough points to win that in regulation. Fast forward a few weeks later, that win against Baltimore, that was the first really awesome performance for the defense because the Ravens could only muster nine points on, on three field goals in that game, but two special teams touchdowns right. is what sent us to overtime in that game. And then the the week the following week against Carolina at home, the defense plays out of its mind, but our offense is only on the field for 37 plays. Trubisky only threw seven passes, only attempted seven passes in that game, and the offense only scored three points on its own. If not for the defense, we're looking at a 3-3 tie in the fourth quarter. I mean, God only knows what happens what happens there. So it's like 
We had a truly dominant performance in one game against Carolina where there was no doubt who should win that game. But, you know, it's like the offense it is what raised a lot of eyebrows, only seven passes, only on the field for 19 minutes in that game and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It, that's what's been most frustrating. Even in the games where we win, there's always something that knocks it down a peg to where you don't feel, you don't come away from that feeling like you won. Right. So, and, I mean, it, it's obviously quite the same on the Lions side when when you just barely skid by the Browns. Uh, even, I mean, I guess there were two, I would say, really impressive front-to-back performances for the Lions, and, and that was the Monday night game against the Packers. And, unfortunately, the other one is the Giants, but you now we have the hindsight of knowing that one was just like, oh, okay, you're playing a one-in-nine team. That's yeah. why you were dominant from front-to-back. <laughs> But but the one thing I found out that was interesting, I, I looked this up last week because a lot of people were calling the Browns game a trap game for the Lions. Sure. Um, Jim Caldwell has been outstanding against horrible teams. And, I, I mean, obviously you should be, but I, I, I went and dug deep to look at his record since he joined the Lions in 2014. He's 20-4 against teams that finish with a losing record. Wow. Which is, is quite phenomenal. Of course, the flip side of that is one of those four was last year against the Bears in <laughs> in Chicago. Yeah, and and that's what I come back to is this is just a really hard team to beat on the road because I absolutely hate Soldier Field where the Kelvin Johnson rule happened. It's yeah. where that brawl happened. I don't know six or seven years ago. Oh yeah, uh, I remember that one. Yeah, it's yeah that was like a complete blowout. Last year it ended on one of the worst games the Lions played all year. There was a weird miscommunication between Golden Tate and Matthew Stafford that resulted in the easiest interception I've ever seen. Yeah. And just, I mean, just weird things happen when these two teams. Last year, Matthew Stafford got his finger hurt. That one was in Detroit, but I still blame Chicago for that. <laughs> and I don't know. There, there, there's just something cursed about this this game between these two teams. And I don't know if you feel it as much on your side. Um, maybe maybe recently since the Lions have won seven of it. I think it's the last seven of eight. Yeah. But uh, I'm just I'm never comfortable when these two teams meet. And it doesn't matter if the Bears are one in one in fifteen or if they're ten and you know ten and three or whatever. Well, I mean um, the the thing is, um, you know, we talk about how the Bears and the Packers are the the main rivalry in the NFC North, mm-hmm. or at least the most famous one, the most popular one, whatever you want to call it. But I think one of the truest rivalries in the NFC North is the Bears and the Lions. Um, because, you know, that, that for the most part, is a back-and-forth rivalry. Right. Whereas the Bears and the, and the Packers, unfortunately, has been very one-sided for the better part of the last quarter century, you know, with Favre and, and Rodgers. You know, they laid out the stat for me at the end of the game on Sunday. It made me sick. Okay, since Favre has taken over uh, in 92, and then therefore with Rodgers taking over in, in 2008, the Bears and the Packers have played 53 times, including the NFC title game in 2010. The Packers are 39-14 and 14 in those 50. They've, that's how they went from being 20-something games back in the in the rivalry in the all-time series to being two right. games ahead of the Bears now. Yeah. You know, they've they've gained all that ground that took the first 70 something years of that rivalry to put 20 games between the Bears and the Packers to now have taken a third of that time to take it over. You know, but in that in that in in that in that same amount of time, I'm sure if we went back 
You know, uh, I think the, that history would be on the bear side as far as the amount of wins, but it would be more equal than than it would be in in the the Chicago Green Bay uh, sure. rivalry. And that that's what you know, like where I've said that of the of the teams in the NFC North, the Lions are my least favorite bar none. But those are actually the games that I look forward to the most because they're they're more competitive. It is more of a rivalry as far yeah. as wins and losses. Uh, are concerned and like we were talking about just before there's always this some you know animosity or some kind of hatred you talked about that um that that brawl in 2011 where matt stafford got pissed off after throwing an interception and grabbed dj moore by the face mask and flung him into the sidelines the next thing you know people are getting ejected and uh all that kind of stuff i mean those are the kinds of things you see happening you know, and Dominican Sue always having a shot for Jay Cutler and, uh, right. you know, things like that happening uh, over the years. It's always what makes those games so interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I'm just now remembering the, the Golden Tate touchdown fumble thing was against you guys last year too, right? That was yep. that was you guys? Yeah, that was you getting your revenge for the Calvin Johnson <laughs> thing six years later uh, and everything. But that, you know, the, the whole thing you said with the Calvin Johnson rule starting there and it just seemed like uh early on in matt stafford's career he would always suffer some kind of injury against the bears you know it it always happened you know second game of the year first game of the year julius pappers sacks stafford and wrecks his shoulder he's done for the Mm -hmm. season you know that kind of thing and it always kind of going down uh that way or one team or the other being there to ruin the other team's success the bears you know in 2015 on a two-game winning streak, if we win this game, we go into the bye at 500. You know, anything can happen after that, and then the Lions beat us in overtime. Uh, you know, going into it, and the season goes off the rails from uh, from there. And you know, you guys uh, coming in there, you're, you're struggling. You, you're playing against a team that hasn't won a game yet, and you lose to the Bears last year. One of only three victories for the Bears all season. One of them was against the the Lions who, uh, you know, ended up doing a lot better before the season ended, but you got that one mark on your, on your record last year. And those are the kind of things that happen, uh, in this rivalry. It's, you know, we, we were, we've been saying all along, we don't know what to expect on Sunday, but that's also what you expect from the bears and the lions. You don't know what to expect because, you know, this is a, this is a rivalry. We literally can throw the records out because it doesn't matter. They always, they never really seem to go the way that you would think. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, this like you said, this just this seems like it goes back forever. I didn't even mention one that I think Lions fans probably hold strongest against the Bears, and that was in two thousand week seventeen. Paul Edinger kicks a oh 50, yeah fifty some yard field goal, fifty four yards, yeah, and yeah, meaningless game for the Bears knocks the Lions out of playoff contention. And you know what happens the next summer? The Lions hire Matt Millen. So thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, yes, and the glorious three straight wide receivers in the first round. <laughs> you know, I mean, it ended up getting you Calvin Johnson, but it took you three first-round picks to get that one right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I, and I love going back. I don't know if it was a 30 for 30 or if it was a – I think it was a football life or something like that where mm-hmm. um, all the Lions talked about going into that draft was uh, – I think it was um, – I think it was the Mike Williams draft or something like that where all they could talk about was DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware, DeMarcus Ware, DeMarcus Ware. And then he let somebody get in his ear and ended up taking, um, 
you know, whoever, whatever year it was, Charles Rogers or right. Mike Williams or, or anything yeah. like, instead of DeMarcus Ware. And DeMarcus Ware goes on to be DeMarcus Ware. And Mike Williams or Charles Rogers goes on to be a ghost and not worthy of the, the position in which they were uh, drafted. So that's, uh, you know, it, it's amazing how something like that can happen. If he goes with his gut, he takes one of the best defensive players of this modern era. And instead, he lets someone get into his ear and influence him to make a draft pick that was ill-advised, to say the least. My, I know this is getting kind of off topic, but my favorite Matt Millen draft story uh, is very much like that one. And as the rumor goes, I think it's this is the third round, and I don't remember what year it was, but the lines were on the clock, and they were just they didn't have a pick. They didn't know what they were going to do, and literally, a guy, a, a voice from the back of the room no one's ever been able to identify who it was, just screams out Brian Calhoun running back. They end up picking him just randomly. They didn't need a running back that year. And Matt Millen's just like, let's go for it. Give him the card, Brian Calhoun. He, he might not have even known who Brian Calhoun was. And Lions make the pick. The guy maybe scores a touch, one touchdown in his career, and he's gone. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I mean, I'm sure that the the Bears have some interesting draft stories like you know the one that convinced us to take Shea McClellan over Chandler Jones um there's always the one where uh we took Gabe Karimi uh even though that that was kind of a consensus thing we should pick Gabe Karimi but he worked out uh no he didn't actually not at all he didn't work out but anything that Phil Emery touched seemed to turn to crap uh except for Alshon Jeffrey and uh you know Kyle Long so he was doing okay but uh his his signings were disastrous so I mean We've had some Matt Millen light moments over the years, but uh, nothing quite having like having a Matt Millen um, run your team for over a decade. <laughs> that uh, yeah, that wasn't fun, was it? No, and it's all thanks to you guys. All thanks to Paul Edinger. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Edinger. <laughs> oh man, that was a time. And yeah, I, I remember that game because that was fifty-four yards. Uh, I think if he misses, you go to overtime or something like that. Or if it wasn't overtime, it was at the end of regulation or whatever. Right. And and I just I, believe it or not, I actually just saw that moment be relived because the Bears winning that game sent the Rams back to the playoffs. Like they were they were not going to make the playoffs if the Lions won uh, right. against the Bears. And instead, the Rams, who just won the Super Bowl the year before, were in danger of not going back to the playoffs. But they did because of Paul Edinger. <laughs> So wonderful. Yes. You know, just as, <laughs> as the bears and lions rivalry turns. So, yeah, I mean, I think we were what, like five and 11 that year or something like that. And then we just had to win that last game, uh, of the year. So, I mean, you know, one good thing that Jick Duran did in his career for the bears. <laughs> so, but, you know, honestly, as we wrap things up here, Jeremy, you know, do you have an inkling of what you think is going to happen? on Sunday as far as like what to expect from the lions and, you know, defensive more importantly on defense. Cause I think we know what to expect from the lions on, on offense, but on defense, how do you think the bears they're going to approach the bears on Sunday? I mean, my hope is that they just sell out against the run mm-hmm. um, because that secondary is so good. Sure. But to me that, that should have been the game plan against the Browns and the Browns rushed for over 200 yards against the lions last week. So, wow. okay. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit nervous about that matchup in this game. That being said, 
I don't see how the over-under in this game goes over 45. I think both teams probably get held under 20 points in this game, and we see you know something reminiscent of uh, you know Bears games back in the day where team, first team to 17 points wins, essentially. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that, that kind of goes in line with the way that our offense is uh, this year. Scoring 20 points is definitely an anomaly uh, for this team. I mean, we've won three games this year and we've we scored 20 points in two of them uh but 17 was the magic number that's what we scored against uh carolina um you know but it took overtime to break 20 points in the baltimore and pittsburgh uh victories so you know take that for what you will and um you know the other thing that makes this the rivalry so interesting is that even Yes, the, the, the Lions have won seven out of the last eight, but I think six of those eight games have been decided by four points or less. So right. the, the issue is in doubt until the clock says zero uh, at the yep. end of the fourth quarter. So, I mean, if it's, if it's going to go down that way, I would prefer it does, um, you know, win, lose, or draw, um, for, it to be, for it to be a game all the way to the end because that was, you know, something that you want to see is, uh, you know, you want your team in the in, win, win or lose. You want to see your team in it until the until the very end. So if it's if it's going to come down to that, I hope that it uh, it goes that way. And I think that it probably will go out the way that you're looking at and just, you know, what they need to protect is against the run, especially a week after giving up 200 yards uh, on the ground to the Browns. So I would definitely come in focusing um, on the run because, you know, that you've got it cover on the back end to to defend the pass. So, and, and far as like the bears, um, you know, we got to get after Stafford plain and simple. Um, right. and, um, you know, rattle him, knock him down, uh, or what have you. The guy's got great uh, pocket awareness and he can move around, uh, very well. So you just have to find a way to disrupt him and keep him in front of you. So, yep. cause he's not the greatest runner, but he can run, you know, he yep. will run and he will get a first down. Uh, if you give him the opportunity uh, to do so he's not going to tuck the ball in and run and be selfish with the football but he'll run if he has to and he will get the first down uh if you give him the opportunity uh in an open pocket yeah that's that's something he's really improved on his game i would say in the past three years it's something that we didn't really see in his rookie year you know obviously pocket presence pocket awareness is not something that a lot of rookies come in with uh especially with with the speed of the nfl um, but it's something he's developed in this game. He's become he's become a good third down back, essentially, where <laughs> if, if, if the pocket closes and he needs to escape, he knows exactly where the openings are. And, you know, he can beat some linebackers to the sidelines. He, it, I didn't think that was part of his arsenal when he came into the league, but but it has become part of his arsenal. Well, we have that to look forward to uh, on Sunday. I mean, we, we gave Brent Hundley plenty of opportunities uh, just because apparently – you know, as good as our defense has been, uh, I don't think the word contain comes into it uh, a lot because they break contain all the time. You know, they'll, 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 for some reason, our outside pass rusher loves to cut to the inside when he's got nobody looping around the back end. For some reason, that just happens over and over again. K. Brett Huntley, a key first down uh, on Sunday that uh, extended a drive we otherwise would have squashed. Uh, and it just seems to happen over and over again. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that Stafford will get a first down or two uh, running away from us uh, on Sunday. So, um, you know, I I would like to say that I think the Bears can bounce back. I do think they can, but it's always, do I think they can win? This is the NFL. Of course they can win. They can absolutely 
win. Uh, it's it happens all the time. I mean, the Giants beat the Broncos on the road for their one and only victory this year. <laughs> that, you know, if if you told me that the Browns or the uh, excuse me the Giants are going to be uh, one and nine through the first ten weeks of the season, which game would you pick that they'd win? On the road at Denver was not the one that I would have picked. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, anything can happen in this crazy league. And so, you know, can the Bears win? Absolutely. Will they? You know, I'm, I'm kind of off the the whole. I'm I'm off the hope bandwagon for now. Uh, anyway, last week's loss was demoralizing as far as hope is concerned for the second half of the year. So I really don't know what's going to happen. On Sunday, I know what I want to see happen, and I'm sure you want to see the same thing as far as your team is concerned, but I have no idea what we're going to see uh, on Sunday. I just hope it's fun. I just hope it's fun. So Yeah, we all like fun, right? Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it's Trump's America. We need all the fun we can get. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, anyway, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for coming back on. We do get to have you one more time for a Saturday game. Yeah, uh, in December, a a, a on a, the Saturday game, um, Saturday afternoon, like three thirty on CBS. So talk about Bizarro World, you know, <laughs> on Saturday late afternoon game on it just randomly there and just sits in the schedule on December sixteenth, a Saturday like that. So what what, what week is that? Fourteen, I think something like that. Yeah. yeah so we'll have you back on in a few weeks. We'll talk about this game and how it went down, and uh, we'll have the answers to the questions that are swirling around in our heads as to what the hell is going to happen uh, on Sunday and uh, see how we uh, patch up the rivalry for 2017. Yeah, things are going to get weird. Absolutely. And, and you know, weird is also fun. So, I mean, you know, why not? So, Jeremy Reisman, where else can uh, we find you? You guys got a podcast now, right? Uh, and, a, and, and a tragically named podcast, correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. We did not think about how people find podcasts. So we named ours, the pride it's called the pride of Detroit podcast, but we labeled it. We, we shortened it to the POD cast, which is of course just the word podcast. podcast yes. And so if you're searching for it, you just search podcast and we're right there, right? Yeah. Just search right. podcast. It's always right going to be the first thing that comes up when you type the single word podcast into Google. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's how popular these little shows are. It's that, yes. that... screw cereal. It's, it's just pride of Detroit podcast right up there. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> So. Um, but yeah, we got our podcast, uh, pride Detroit.com, pride of Detroit on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Detroit on lion on Twitter. No spaces, no underscores, nothing like that. Just three words smushed together. There you go. Uh, and that's about it. All right. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for coming on. I missed you, man. It was four whole months since, yeah. uh, since we talked over the summer. This is the, the latest the bears and the lions have started against each other in quite some time. So, yeah. um, but, but we get to have you back on and, uh, in, a, in about a, in less than a month, you know, we get there you back, you and uh, then we'll finish off 2017 and see where we go from there. So Sounds good, Larry. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Jeremy Reisman, pride of Detroit, unfortunate Lions fan, and as we've said before, <laughs> spaghetti burrito connoisseur. Yes, sir. Just a quick note about the spaghetti burrito thing. It was just something I saw on his uh, his Twitter feed, and uh, somebody was literally stuffing a, a tortilla with uh, with spaghetti and rolling it up, and you know, calling it the spaghetti burrito. And um, 
you know, I must have been hungry at the time because it actually looked pretty good. Now I'm not so sure. But, uh, you know, the idea of it, that's a lot of carbs right there. To have a burrito, a flour tortilla uh, stuffed with uh, spaghetti is, uh, yeah, there'd have to be a lot of sauce in that uh, for me. It would seems like it would, it would get awful dry while it was, uh, you know, cooking or whatever you do with a burrito. So anyway, um, so that's what the whole spaghetti burrito thing was about. I just saw it on his his Twitter, like he retweeted it for some reason. It's like, yeah, it's spaghetti burrito. It doesn't look bad. And so they, they had like this little 30 second video of somebody making one and there it was. So anyway, once again, want to thank Jeremy for coming back on. We'll have him back on in a few weeks, uh, December 16th on a Saturday, the bears play the lions, um, on CBS. It's weird. Like three 30 in the afternoon on a Saturday, the bears and the lions are playing on CBS. If it couldn't be any weirder it uh, you know, but that's when they're going to be playing again, playing each other again uh, to cap off their 2017 uh, rivalry. And it's it's like we said, we, Jeremy and I talked about it quite a bit, how close these games have been, how, you know, even though the Bears and the Packers are like the marquee rivalry in the NFC North, I feel like the Bears and the Lions are like the truest rivalry um, because they always, they, they because they trade wins, they go back and forth. It is a true blue rivalry in that sense that you never really know who's going to win and uh the games are always close like i said the the unfortunately for us the lions have won seven out of the last eight matchups between these two teams but i think six of those seven games have or you know seven or eight it's like one or two of the games um all but one or two of the games has been decided by four points or less so it's always a one score game it's always coming down to the wire uh, the, the outcome is always in doubt until the clock strikes zero. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's fun as far as rivalries are concerned. So what do the bears need to do in order to come away with the victory on Sunday? Well, showing up would probably be, um, a good first step, uh, cause it didn't really appear to have happened on Sunday against the Packers, or at least not until it was too late. And, um, you know, uh, as I said to Jeremy, getting after Stafford is going to be key. Containing Stafford will be another one. Because uh, as I mentioned, Stafford's not a runner, but he can run. And he will. Um, last year, he scored a touchdown against the Bears that kind of put the game in, in uh, put the game out of reach uh, for us. And, um, you know, he is uh, known to, uh, you know, to take the chance to tuck the ball in and get that seven yards that he needs on third down when he's uh, when he initially set back to... Uh, to pass so staying in there rushing lanes making sure that we keep Stafford in the pocket um will be will be key on those kinds of plays uh, as well especially if in a in a, if he's in a position where he's got time back there and he's looking for a receiver downfield so we want to keep him in the pocket because our secondary is doing its job and eventually you'll be able to get your hands on him kind of thing uh, then on, on, uh, I mean, that's, that's the key is, is Stafford. Cause, uh, last year Stafford was outstanding as far as his touchdown to interception ratio, but he threw multiple interceptions in both games, uh, against the bears, uh, last year. So, I mean, that's something that we would like to repeat, uh, this year is if, uh, you know, the, he has grown into having, you know, being one of the, 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 the more efficient quarterbacks as far as hanging on to the football, not turning it over. But he's always kind of had issues with the Bears in that sense. And hopefully that's something that can continue again this Sunday, um, especially since we haven't had interceptions since the Carolina game. So we, we, that's something that uh, would probably help boost the confidence of our secondary, especially after the week they had against Brett freaking Huntley 
uh, last week. And um, so that will be key. And, um, you know, in the uh, on the offensive side, we got to find some kind of consistency uh, on, on offense because we'd only ran the ball 17 times last week in a game where we were never out of the game. So the fact that we basically abandoned the run for some reason made no sense uh, in in the grand scheme of things. Jordan Howard did not get enough touches. Tariq Cohen ran the ball one time uh, last week, which is ridiculous. And, uh, you know, 55 yards on, on, the, on the ground for the fifth leading rusher in football, unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Jordan Howard needs to be a bigger part of the game. And I mean, we got to find a way to balance this thing out that Jordan Howard gets his touches, but we're still sprinkling in uh, the passes to keep the defense on its toes. Now I know that sounds like a tall order for the dunce cap wearing moron that we have calling the plays for us this year in, in Dole Loggins. So, you know, it seems like a stretch of the imagination because this is a guy that's waiting to see who the defense puts out there before he starts calling his plays. That's ridiculous. So on offense, we're screwed. We're just going to have to do the best that we can. Um, but the key is going to be the offensive line, plain and simple. Uh, they gave up five sacks to a defensive unit that had nine in the first eight games coming into it uh, on Sunday. That that can't happen again. We can't sit there and get picked apart by the Lions while they rush all over the field. Now, part of it was on um, on Mitch Trubisky. Now, this is something that happens with rookie quarterbacks catching up to the speed of the game they think they have more time than they do and before you know it they've been sacked they've been holding on to the ball too long uh and so on so kind of a mixture of the two but it's definitely more on the offensive line than it is on the kid he's gonna he's gonna grow out of that eventually he will he will grow out of uh that that internal clock because he'll figure out he doesn't have as much time as he did when he was in north carolina so uh, eventually that's not going to be an issue for him, but it will always be an issue for the offensive line. If your quarterback is constantly having to break the pocket or, you know, get it basically take the sack because he feels the walls closing in, uh, kind of thing. So the offense needs to be better, especially on passing downs. And, you know, we just have to be more, um, balanced. Um, cause I was happy to see Trubisky at 295 yards passing on Sunday, had the 46 yard bomb to, uh, Josh Bellamy there in the fourth quarter to kind of narrow the gap, but we only ran the ball 17 times for a grand total of 55 yards uh, against the the Packers, and that was not uh, that couldn't have been the game plan uh, going into it. It just couldn't be to uh, not give the football to our to our you know to our top running back and one of the top running backs in football. There's just no way. So um, you know we're gonna have to figure out a way to. Uh, to balance that out uh, against the Lions, especially coming off a performance where they just gave up 200 yards rushing to no one who runs the football uh, in Cleveland. So, I mean, you'd think that would be a heavy dose of of Jordan Howard, especially early on, which could set up play-action opportunities and, and, and things like that. So, you know, we just need to be more creative across the board. The fact that Trey McBride and, and Marcus Wheaton barely saw the field, but Jordan, or excuse me, Josh Bellamy was all over it on Sunday was very troubling to me. And 
the fact that our that um, you know they came out talking about well we just wanted to have a speedier guy out there in Bellamy like we couldn't have used his speed in any other point during the season it had to be this one game uh, on Sunday against the uh, against the Packers it just makes no sense anytime that they open their mouths they just say something stupid and it's like it it it, it boggles the mind that what they think what they're saying they actually think is the truth and that's the most troubling part so anyway that's what I feel like we have to do on offense it's got to be more consistency more balanced uh, in in the attack running and passing the football getting Trubisky his chances to you know uh, work on his craft getting Jordan Howard the football so he can do his thing mixing Tariq Cohen back into things uh, you know, it does. It's not as much as it sounds. Believe me, it isn't. And um, on defense, uh, just uh, get after and contain uh, Matt Stafford. You know, because Golden Tate uh, is the the best receiver on that team right now, and they've got other really good targets uh, out there. But if Matt Stafford's on his back staring up at the Chicago sky, those guys aren't going to be a factor. So we we stop Stafford. We stop the Lions. Plain and simple, because our defense, even as poorly as it played on Sunday against the Packers, definitely good enough to stop the Lions' running game. So uh, that's what the uh, the key will be: is uh, to really beef up our, our pass uh, pass defense on Sunday against the uh, the very dangerous um, Detroit Lions. So I think that's all I got, and uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll put a plug in it there. Uh, again, want to thank Jeremy Reisman for uh, coming on to the show and ho- look forward to having him back on. And uh, we'll be back on Monday, unless it's worse than it was against Green Bay, then we might have another Sunday blow up uh, like we did last week. Who knows? So uh, however you want that to play out, keep your fingers crossed and uh, keep your eyes open for when I might actually put the show out. Uh, and until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. <laughs>